This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player. This is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all-time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast. It's podcast episode number 80, Tuesday, April 16th. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. And uh, some interesting news has just broken. We'll get to it in a second. We'll be joined a little bit later in the podcast by Keith Pompey, who covers the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, unfortunately, we were uh, able to do the interview with Keith before the developments of today, which has just happened as we take the microphone and do this podcast, Doc Rivers, the head coach of the 76ers, has been fired as a result of the Sixers' collapse against the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference semifinals. It was something that I thought could go either way when that season ended. I, I wouldn't have been surprised had they brought him back, but he, he is now gone, and um, the numbers are grisly, okay? Now, Doc, three seasons was 154 uh, and 82 at the Sixers. 54 victories last year. Franchises most since 2000-2001, the great AI team. Uh, The Sixers were a very accomplished team this year. Top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency, but uh, they collapsed against the Boston Celtics in Game 7, and uh, Doc Rivers continued that trend of not being able to get past the Game 7. His numbers in those situations are very grisly. And uh, I guess the Sixers ownership said, oh, we got to try something different. Uh, One of the reasons they could do that is because there's a lot of names, good names, good coaching names that are out there now for Doc Rivers. Uh, So a mild surprise for me. Uh, But again, I I thought it could have gone either way the way this season concluded. It, It was such a miserable ending that Doc had no leeway. Had it been a close game, maybe they hang on. Maybe they bring him back with Embiid as a centerpiece and, and try to rebuild the team. Uh, but Doc really kind of looked like he was paralyzed in that game seven as well. I thought he needed to make a drastic move with James Harden. He didn't. He let the whole thing die. And so that's a bad feeling. And uh, when you do it, you, you two, two days after you lose that game, that, that means the emotions are still fresh and you've had enough as an ownership group. So, um I'm sure the Sixers will hire an experienced coach. I don't think that Sam Cassell will get the job. I think that Monty Williams might be the guy that they bring in here uh, or Budenholzer or somebody who's experienced. I would seriously doubt they go to Sam Cassell. 
with this kind of a situation. So Doc is gone. So let's get a little bit to the Sixer aftermath because, you know, if you listen to the post-game uh, podcast that we did after Game 7, I was pretty much obsessed with the concept that the two Sixer stars didn't seem willing to compete. And I, I've kind of morphed into that a couple days later and gotten, gotten used to it. And now I, I go, it's just a, a direct lack of pride uh, by both uh, those guys. Uh, th- there wasn't uh, enough pride in, in the bodies and minds of Joel Embiid and James Harden. It's that simple. And, and the sad part is, you know, the lack of pride that just defines the future now for, for the 76ers. Um, Embiid is going to be here. I don't know about Harden. We'll get to that in a second. Um, th- listen, there can't be a, a more important time in the life of a, a pre- professional athlete uh, an experienced professional athlete, an accomplished professional athlete, MVP-type professional athletes, uh, game seven in a playoff series uh, or a win or go-home game uh, to sell out everything they can. Uh, you got to spill a bucket. Uh, whatever you've got left, you got to try. you got to try hard. And both these guys did, did, did not try at all. And uh, it left the Sixer fans feeling gutted. And I think it didn't leave those guys feeling gutted if you looked at their – post-game reaction fans take that kind of drubbing really hard it was an embarrassment they they weren't willing to compete they had no pride in competing they kind of gave up in the third quarter as if the game was already over and showed no fight um that that is just totally embarrassing and uh, i i just don't understand and maybe i'm naive but i don't understand how professional athlete as as accomplished as these guys are especially in beating harden can can just go through the motions in a game like that, just be unwilling to compete and basically give up. This is the lingering thing it's going to have on me and most Sixer fans, as now we have a new regime to consider. So uh, let's get into it now. The Doc is is the first step uh, of this whole thing. They made the change at the top, and they're going to have to really work on rebuilding whatever they have here, no matter who is involved in this. So let's get a little practical on it. Because Daryl Morey has to be as creative as he has been as a Sixer general manager at this point. He's pretty much had it easy. He was able to tack on a star player with a star player, uh, try to increase their toughness, try to increase their bench depth. That wasn't very difficult. It it turned out not to work. And so now they're going to have to refigure the whole thing. Um, After the game, Embiid said a couple things that bother me. And one may have been taken out of context because you have to hear the whole quote when he said, it has to be all five of us. It just can't be me and James. Well, see, you can't you can't deflect responsibility if you're Joel Embiid. We, we've, we've heard this song before with, with Joel where he kind of like does this passive aggressive stuff and, and it's annoying at this point. Come on, man. You, you've been uh, uh, crying about being the MVP for, for the, the last three seasons. You've been telling everybody you're the best player in the league that nobody can stop you. And uh, so it, now it's got to be more than you. It's got to be you that, that leads the charge. You can't get the result and then back off and say, well, it's got to be all five of us. Can't be just me and James. Well, it wasn't either you or James in that game. Had it been you, uh, maybe we would look at it differently. Had it been you and James in that game competing, maybe we would have looked at it a little differently, but um, it, it didn't work out. And also, uh, he 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 went on to to, to say a couple of things that uh, that he has to get better, and he right now he's working on getting better. 
It's not that it wasn't a matter of you getting better. Your repertoire in your game is pretty damn good. It was good enough to be the freaking MVP. It's not like you have to get better. You had to have a better mindset. You had to be more of a killer. You had to be more willing to compete. That's what you got to work on. And you can't after the fact say, well, it was this, it was that. We all know that you were a little banged up. I get it. You didn't put it through an effort. That's not that's not getting better physically. That's that is that is just putting an effort as a competitive athlete. That's all you had to do was be a competitive athlete. And 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 that's not like something you have to work on in the offseason. That has to click in your brain at the moment if you're a competitive athlete. All right. So and B's not going anywhere. The Sixers, whoever they bring in as the head coach, are going to have to build around Joel Embiid. There's no question in my mind that he's the guy, the centerpiece, and they may have to do it with another star. You trade out Harden, you get Dame Lillard if, if there's a way to do that, and then you run it back and you see how that works. But you've got to milk every opportunity with Embiid. You can't blow it up. You can't go young. You can't rebuild. You can't trade him. He's got to be there, and you got to facilitate what the Sixers are with him there. Now, James Harden, uh, I, I've had enough. I, I, I've seen enough. Uh, he's a player clearly on dying batteries, although he had a pretty good year in a different role. He didn't come through in the playoffs, which means to me he's fatigued. He's tired. He's not the same player. He's never going to be the same player, and he doesn't have the mental uh, makeup to play on a championship team. So I'm done. Now, how they remove themselves from James Harden is step two for the Sixers. Step one was Doc. Step two is Harden. He's got a player option. He can elect to come back. With a different coach, maybe he likes the guy they hire. He'll say, oh, well, I want to come back. And they go, okay, James, we'll give you a, another contract, uh, multi-year, three-year. And, and they get him back in the fall. I wouldn't do that. Uh, the other thing is they don't have to give him another contract at all. If he accepts a player option, he figures nobody's going to pay me $37 million a year. At least I got $37 million for one year. And then beyond that, maybe I can make a little more money. I don't know what's in his mindset right now. Or the Sixers can make a sign and trade. They sign him to a deal that's semi-reasonable, although it's not going to be less than $37 million, and then they move him to another team who's interested like the Houston Rockets. But you got to take back that kind of salary from the Houston Rockets. So who are the players you get back from Houston that will make up that salary in a sign and trade? They're pretty much – he's pretty got, much got him handcuffed at this point, James Harden. So uh, well, I, all I know is that I don't want him. And I don't know if the Sixers can just dispatch them. So we'll see. So what's left for the Sixers? Again, you have to build around MB with a better winning formula. How do you do that? I don't know. If the Sixers wanted to call me up and ask for suggestions, they'll attach a check with that because I'll give them some suggestions on how to proceed from this point on. Um, all right, so let's go with Dame Lillard. Can they pull that off? That's the first thing I would do. Uh, first thing I would do was try to try to make that kind of a deal. Now, in that kind of a deal, Portland's probably going to have to take back Tobias Harris. They take back Tobias Harris only for the fact that they can lop off that contract after one year and have $47 million to rebuild that young team. So they get rid of Dame, they accept Tobias, they bite the bullet one year, comes off $47 million, then they can start rebuilding. Uh, the bench. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, they, they thought they got the right complimentary players. And the conclusion I've come to, it is very difficult to get complimentary players that actually make a difference in winning. All right, they got P.J. Tucker. For most of the season, he wasn't worth anything. He made a couple threes in the playoffs. He gave him a little bravado. He's not good enough. DeAnthony Melton, early on, was a good addition. Hit a wall. 
I don't know what he is either. Uh, George Niang's got to go. Shake Milton's got to go. Jalen McDaniels will probably be kept as a uh, uh, unrestricted. Uh, you know, he's, he's an unrestricted free agent. They they traded for him. He's a defensive player who doesn't make a lot of money. He'll probably be part of that equation. But I don't know who else that they can get except refilter some guys in the NBA on reasonable contracts. Cross your fingers and hope that they can make a difference. You see it all around the league. The Boston Celtics have a few guys that they parlayed into guys that make a difference. They bring them off the bench. They make a difference. The Sixers have to figure out a way to get that type of player. All right. So that's your Sixer aftermath on the Mike Masnelli podcast. Again, the breaking news. Doc is gone. Who are they going to bring in? You got Buds out there. You got Monty Williams. You got a bunch of other candidates out there that you can hire. Uh, I'm I'm thinking that Monty Williams might be the guy. He did, did have some experience here. He kind of knows the landscape. He's probably close with Elton Brand, and, and Maury can just jump on that. Uh, but um, you know, Sam Cassell, who's a, I don't know. I, I think I have to go bigger than Sam Cassell. Uh, and there's Nick Nurse. There's always that Mike D'Antoni out there. There's Frank Vogel. So there's a lot of candidates, and I'm sure that influenced Josh Harris's decision, whether it was his decision or not. I have no idea whether he can make that kind of decision two days after they, they just got drubbed in Boston. But it's going to be somebody, and it won't be Doc Rivers. So there you go. That's my sixer aftermath. I'm still a little wounded from what I saw in Game 7. I can't get over the fact that two guys are supposedly stars were unwilling to compete, that will always leave a stain in my mind and probably all 76er fans. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for the moments of truth as we go deep inside the Sixers losing to the Boston Celtics in the semifinals. A lament that we have gone over year after year after year. And our special guest today is the man who covers the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. In his honor, I'm wearing my Inquirer hat today. Keith Pompey joins us. Hello, Keith. What's up, man? What's up? Well, let, let's let's get right into it here because, you know, I, I, I'm looking at this um, situation, and um, here's the thing. I, I, I didn't know they were going to win a game seven. I thought they had a chance. I did not expect their two best players would look like they just did not want to compete. And and that kind of like as a fan and a sportsman, that kind of sickens me. <laughs> and and I you know you cover the team, you got to be objective. I I totally understand it, but I can't fathom the one of the most important moments of your sporting life, and and they just didn't look like they wanted to compete. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with you. It was bad. It was bad. Like you know, um, you know, there was a couple of people who disagreed with me. I said this was the worst game seven loss that they had. And, you know, there were certain people talking about, what are you talking about? Losing the Kawhi at the last second, you know, the Ben Simmons thing. And I was like, well, they look like a team that quit. You know, it looked like at one point in the third quarter, the only guy who was playing was Tyrese Maxey. And he was like confused, like, where's everyone at? Like, you know what I mean? Stuff like that, right? Now, I don't think P.J. Tucker quit. I just don't think that he was on the floor enough, right? You know what I mean? To do anything or, or to, to play. But, yeah, it was it was kind of bad. Um, the bad sign, like I look at it early on, it was it was in the second quarter, and it was one of those things where Joel Embiid shot two for nine, James Harden shot two for seven. And this is game seven, and you look at it where Jason Tatum stepped up his game, 
And game sevens are the games where the Michael Jordans, the LeBron James, all these type of guys is where they hang their hat on. And the fact that at that particular time, in a close game, Joel Embiid and James Harden was struggling. And James at times looked disinterested. Joel lacked aggression. And it was just, it was a bad performance by the Sixers, a bad showing. All right, let, let's take them one at a time. Let's take Joel Embiid first. Um, um, he's always uh, championing his platform to get respect. And, um, you know, it, it's constant. And, you know, even when he drops it subtly, you can tell that he doesn't think he gets enough respect. He's always wanted to be the MVP. These are the moments that create you. And, you know, we, we have lauded him uh, occasionally in, in this playoff run. I don't get what was in his head in a game seven. You know him better than anybody. Uh, what makes him tick to the point where he just wouldn't compete in, in the most important game of his life, probably? You know, I, I think it's two things. I asked him this after the game. I said, Joel, how much is your knee, is your knee bothering you, conditioning and all that? And he was like, look, I'm not going to. He said, y'all can write what y'all write, what y'all want to write. You know, and this is, he says, I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to use anything as an excuse. But I do feel like that it it hindered him a little bit. I do. I do. Now, the reason being I'm saying that is because we saw how other games where Joel kept dive, jumping on the ball, I mean, jumping for the ball, diving, falling down, rolling, doing whatever. You can't keep doing that on a bad leg. And I guess he was feeling like that's the best way to land. I honestly, and I get it. I know what people are saying. Now, you can also go, Mike, where you can say, look, you're the biggest dude there. You're going to be in a lot of pain. You're probably going to not want to like do anything tomorrow, but get your tail on the block. That stuff that you were doing from the uh, from the elbow and all that in the regular season, is completely different in the playoffs because people are going to defend it differently. So yes, you can say that. Um, so I so but what I'm trying to say is I think that he was injured, but I also believe that he could have given a little bit more effort down there several times. Now the one thing that I noticed that he was seeing is that whenever he faced in the post, both of them he would draw two defenders. If both of the bigs were in there, he would have Horford facing them, and then the other guy was behind Horford. When they weren't, one of them wasn't there, it was Marcus Smart. So Joel was bailing out shooting jumpers as opposed to going in there and, and getting physical. So, yeah, it looked bad. Yeah, all right. So And I saw the same thing. There were two ways, like, he – he could have uh, exerted himself in this game because they were blocking off that pick and roll that they were been so successful. But what the one thing that was available at the top of that pick and roll was the the, the nail jump shots, which he's deadly. He, I mean, the, the, the one legged jump shot is was there. If you make a quick decision, that's there. And then the other way to score is what you just said by by getting getting down low, which he doesn't seem to want to do a lot. Um, so th- that's what that bothered me. He goes, okay, that's available. I'll make these shots all night. I, I, I you know, I, who, who stops that shot? Uh, e- even if they're, if, if Horford's going to be on me, I got that one legged Dirk thing and I make those all the time. And uh, so it goes to his mindset, but it also goes to the coach's mindset. Or well, if we can see those are the two available areas for him to exert himself more to score, 
why doesn't the coach see it? Yeah, I think, man, you know what? I'm starting to think the NBA coaching is different. <laughs> like, I mean, you look at it now, uh, like Bud gets fired. Monty Williams gets fired. And I honestly think that coaches don't coach like they used to, nor do they coach the way they should. Now, again, if that was Tyrese Maxey, if that was Tobias Harris, George Niang, yeah, he would have told him, get your tail down there and do what you got to do. But if it's James Harden or it's Joel Embiid, knowing that when it comes down to a coach getting fired, the owner typically asks them what you think, they're not going to get coached in situations like that. It's one of those where, unfortunately, it's one of those where you'll see the grimace on the sidelines. You'll see like him leaning over. But you're not going to see him saying, get your butt down there and do what you got to do. So, you know what I mean? Like, that's the problem with today's NBA. Superstars don't get coached. They don't. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. See, that that's a, a hard, cold reality of the NBA, and it kind of leads into my next point. Because if I'm a coach and I'm sitting there watching the way James Harden's playing, I'm turning to my assistants, I go, this SOB I want to play. And so to save the season, you almost have to make a radical move and go, okay, I know this has been done before. I know I'm going to take a lot of heat for it. But the, my primary function here is to survive this season. And I thought he should have pulled James Harden. James Harden was not interested in playing that game and just giving the ball to Maxi and and let the fate go, you know, cast. Uh, and and uh, you know that and that plays into your point. He would not do that because that's so radical that he would always be questioned forever about it. But that was the only way they could have survived that game because he killed them, Harden, with his disinterest. Yeah, and, and not only just that, like you're talking about being criticized for it. Let's face it, like James, this stuff keeps getting leaked that James wants to go to Houston. So it's kind of sort of like, okay, James, <laughs> what happens if, what can we do to keep you? Well, you know that guy that took me out in game seven and embarrassed me? Why don't you get me another coach, right? Like, I, I, I you know what? You, you, you don't want to think that people think about things like this, but they do. I mean, they do. Like, you know what I mean? He's, they, they don't deny. I mean, they deny it, but they do. But you are right. Like, you know, sometimes it's weird. Here's the thing about James Harden. People forget that before when he had 45 points on game one, ESPN destroyed him. They were laughing at him on television, right? They were saying, what you mean James Harden could carry the Sixers? Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, yo, what's James doing? And then next thing you know, someone sends me the clip, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then the same thing in game three. It was kind of like he messed up game game two, and we're all people like he needs to man up. He's not being tough, and he comes out strong. Maybe sitting him down, having a little thing to him. Maybe you got to say, look, you don't like rip him, but you say, look, bro. I'm waiting for you to come and play. You got to do something. You're, you're embarrassing yourself here. You have to be James Harden. Like you sent them that gospel song, then you might have to preach the gospel to him or something, right? So like if you do that, if you do that, then then he does it. He plays hard, but you're right, man. He didn't have it. He looked disinterested. It looked like he knew they weren't going to win. I mean, for, he just... It was a disappointing performance, more so than what Joel did in my eyes. Um, Keith, the years go on. Players don't get younger. They don't get healthier. They don't get spryer. 
Um, he looks like a guy on dying batteries to me. And I, I know he summoned some energy to play two good, two decent games. But where does it stand now? He's got a player option, and he can choose. Now, I, I, I go around the league, and I go, are, are there people that are going to give him a multi-year contract? Or is the best he could do to accept the player option and play for $37 million with the Sixers? Where are the Sixers now in this whole equation with James Harden? You know, that's the million-dollar question right now. Because when you think about it, it's one of those things where, you know, Josh Harris was in the building last night watching the game. And, you know, I'm pretty sure James, if he opts out he and whoever signs him, he's going to want more money, right? He's going to want in that 30 range, multiple years, multiple seasons. And if I'm the Sixers, I got to, after what I saw last night, I have to think long and hard about that because, you know, I, I don't like from what we saw last night, yesterday, what we saw the, the season prior in, in the money games, the, the last game seven they had against the Miami Heat. I don't know if I'm giving James Harden that money. And I'm pretty sure the Sixers are probably thinking the same thing about that. Now, the only thing is, is kind of sort of like, well, if we don't keep them, what are we going to get for them? So, so that's the main question. But I, I I can't see somebody wanting to give this guy a whole bunch of I mean from the Sixers a whole bunch of money after they saw what happened yesterday. Well, is there a team in the NBA that we would be willing to do that? Is my you question. Know, the thing is, the, like the the thing about the Houston thing is intriguing if if they're serious, just because you know he lives in Houston. Um, to me, Houston right now is one of those places that really want to get a star in there that people love so they can bring up the attendance for a couple of years and until people get, get better. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know if, if he's the right at this stage of his career is a right fit for these young guys. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if it was just a point guard, point guard, like a guy who just distributes the rock and, and does all this other stuff. He might be a good fit, but I don't know if there's a team that's right now based off of what we saw yesterday. Now, you can, you know, he says if you spread the floor, you do that. But there's a team that has a player as dominant as Joel Embiid. I don't know if James Harden is the fit that's going to help you win a championship. And I don't know if a team is going to be willing to give him that type of money. I, I just don't see it. Okay, so that brings us back to square. He accepts the player option. It, it to me has become an untenable situation with the fan base now. After what they saw, there there, there can't be any support for James Harden coming back with Embiid to run it back to do something special again because we've seen it now. So, uh, what? Give me the. Um, what are the NBA requirements on a trade for a guy on a player option? What would have to happen for the Sixers to be able to move him? Um, you know, it's kind of sort of like similar to like I believe what Jimmy Butler had. Like you can do a sign and trade. Like you can sign him, he opts out. Um, you, you sign him to, um, you know, a max deal or whatever it is. And then you bring in players that, that will, you know, equal that salary. So like, for instance, the Sixers could possibly, if they want if but I don't know if Houston would want to do this, but they can say, okay, we'll sign, we'll sign Harden. And we'll get like three, two or three players equal, maybe send a guy out there as well, and then get some draft picks. 
And by doing that, in a way, you're a little bit saving face a little bit because you're saying, well, we we got rid of this guy and we got these young guys in. But, I mean, I don't think that's the ingredient for winning the championship right now. And they need a, a legitimate co-star to go along. But, but here's the thing. The Sixers are a capped team. So if they make a sign in trade, they they would have to take back that kind of salary. What young players could, could add up to to make that kind of a salary from Houston? See, that's the thing. It would be it would have, you would probably have to get not probably, but you would have to get multiple teams involved to bring in some salary. And the thing is, the one thing that the Sixers could do because that's you're right because a lot of these young stars that Houston have they're all like on their rookie deals. Like these guys are making what five mil, this and that. And when you're talking about Harden is going to make something in the 30 range possibly. You're not going to trade him for five Houston Rockets, right? You're just not going to do it. Um, so in order to do that, you would have to get a third team involved with a guy, a star. But in order to do that, you also, what, what are teams sending out? Do the Sixers have the draft picks that that one team would want? in order for them to give up a guy who has a lot of money. You, you know what I mean? So that's the problem that the Sixers have right now is that they really don't have a lot. And, again, I'm not an executive, but to me, the way that James performed yesterday, and the problem is that was the only game of the day. Everyone watched it at 3.30. So the problem is it's kind of like is. James Harden had 45 points and 42. Is that the guy or is it this guy who shot three for 11 and, and, uh, and had nine points. So that's hard. That's a hard, that's a hard chip to trade in my opinion. We're talking to Keith Pompey covers Sixers for the, uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, Keith, you're seeing what's on social media. The the opinions are ranged from blow it up to uh, give it a hard and keep it big, get rid of it big. It goes all over the place when people are wounded like this. So uh, look into your sensible crystal ball and, and tell me how they can restructure things to be a contender next year. They have three uh, unrestricted free agents. They they probably won't keep Milton or Niang. Jalen McDaniels probably is a low enough price that they'll ride with them because they got to get something out of that trade. Uh, so what what do you see happening here? And, and I include the Doc Rivers situation. Yeah, let's start with the Doc Rivers situation first. You know, you know, typically in a situation like this, the coach is the guy that goes right. I mean, he goes, and especially considering that Monty Williams was fired a year after he was the coach of the year. Uh, Budenholzer was fired two years after he won a championship, right? So you look at Doc Rivers and you say to yourself, bro, you couldn't get out of the second round. You know what I mean? So this and that. So I could see him going. I mean, I think the big thing is, A, who do they think they can come in here and bring in? And if Josh Harris is willing to eat the money that he has, you know what I mean, on Doc, like is he willing to eat this money um, and, and then pay another coach? Right. So so to me, those are the that's the main problem. That's the main concern. But here's the deal. The the thing is, in regards to it, I know like a lot of people are upset with Joel Embiid, but I don't know if I'm willing to get rid of him just yet. Now, the Harden thing, that's one of those things like that becomes a Daryl Morey problem 
Like if I'm the owner, like that becomes like, look, you 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 said he was going to be here. That's your problem, right? But as far as Embiid, I think you still need to have one star. You need a you need a star player. Now the do you wish? And and then here's the thing: Embiid struggles in the playoffs, right? He always gets hurt. But Embiid's a whole lot younger than Harden. You all, you know, we talked about like Harden looks like you know Father Time is catching up with him. Like you don't choose him over Embiid. Now Tobias, you know, I don't I don't know if 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 he's going to be in the cards. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, you know, so they could because, trade him to a team yeah, that just wants to get him. that salary to lop it off after next year. Yeah, exactly. Like you can trade him for a team, but see, the thing is, that also to me, if you're trying to win, if you're the Sixers and you're trying to win, it's basically going to be like, let's say Oklahoma City, just a young team. You're not going to get Shea Gilgis Alexander for Tobias Harris. You're just not. So, like, and even if you did get him, you would have to take in some other players to make the salaries fit, right? So, to me, as you trade him to a, a team like that, you'll get some draft picks possibly. But at the same time, who are the players you're going to get for him? You're not, you, you might not get somebody that's the equivalent of Tobias. You're not. So, so there, there goes the problem. But, you know, right now, like, the only people that I say that are safe, you, and if you really want to be honest, are, like, Joel and Maxi. I mean, they're the only two guys I feel like who are untouchable. And then, unfortunately for Maxi, if the price gets right and you want to get a superstar and somebody wants to lump him in, then you you got to make that deal. So he's really not untouchable. So so you, you know what I mean. But I, I I don't see it, man. I'm sorry. Like I, they have too many holes. Like last year, this team was supposed to be tougher than last year, right? Well, Tobias, after last night's game, was like, we lack mental toughness, right? <laughs> uh, P.J. Tucker said we weren't tough enough. So then they also told us that we got a bunch of two-way players. Yeah, you do, but the one, uh, Jalen McDaniels, was a two-way player who, after game two, he didn't play. He wasn't in the rotation anymore. So you look at Daniel House, he doesn't play, and he's a tough-minded guy. Montrez Harrell, you forget that he's on the team. So, like, this team is no different than last year's squad to me. You have older players who are past their prime a little bit, right? Um, and, and then you have a bunch of players like George Niang, Shake Milton, who can do one thing well, but they're not two-way players. So there's a lot of guys who can go on this team, meaning see you later. Um, and I, I feel like it, this could be a little bit of a rebuild unless Daryl Morey could try to, you know, work some magic. This yeah, well, this is going to be the, the, the busiest year for Daryl Morey. He's pretty much had it easy over the last few years just trying to add a piece to, to go around uh, Joel Embiid. And I agree with you on Joel Embiid because at the end of the day, he's still the MVP of the league. And uh, it's like what people say about Harper. Well, he gets hurt all the time. Yeah, well, guess what? He's still a great player you got you got to have, so you got to build around him. And as far as Doc goes... I think it's really interesting if if Josh Harris is willing to leverage six billion on a football team, uh, why not a paltry sixteen mil to, th- to to throw to Doc to say see ya? So th- you're right that that may very well happen. They come back with a new approach with a new coach. 
Uh, but it, it's it's a it's a disheartening mess. It really is because this fan base has been dragged along for a really long time, Keith, and uh, and they don't know whether the winder watcher scratched their butt right now. To be honest, that's how confused they are. Uh, and and so am I. I I have no idea where they go at this point. And the only thing I say, I can't see James Harden anymore. Uh, so yeah. you know if you if Dame if you want to try it with Dame Lillard somehow to come in here to replace it, a guy like J- Harden. I'm all for it. You can't – James Harden can't be part of this team next year. It just can't. You you would punish your fan base by doing yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I mean, I think James had some pretty good games. I just feel like him and Joel, as much as everybody say they're a great fit, they're not a great fit. They're not. I mean, it, it seems like, you know um, – and, and the reason why I'm saying that is the one game that Joel didn't play, James went off. The other game when the spacing was right, James went off. And then all of a sudden, it's like Joe, James is like you don't see James and, and Joel both have great games on the same night in the playoffs when you need it. You know what I mean? You just don't. I mean, like the scoring thing, you just don't see mm-hmm. it. You saw Joel and Maxi do it, but you don't real t- don't you don't see it with Joel and James. And I just don't feel like you know right now from what I saw um, that I, I think like both. Harden would be better off at a better spot, a different spot. And I feel like Joel would be better off. What he needs is a point guard. You know, James Harden is a scoring guard, which is which is cool. But when you look back at it, Mike, you think of all the guys that they could have had in this trade. Now, they we all talk about star hunting. A couple of years ago, James Harden would have been the perfect guy. He showed some things. But when we look at it, when we think about it, his, his tenure has been inconsistent. He's had a lot of injuries, right? He has some highlights, but a lot of times, most of, most of his best games came after an extended break, after the All-Star break, like the first game of the playoffs, this and that. So that's telling you that he has an older body and he can't do it night in and night out like you need to do it in the NBA. So my thing is, like, yeah, it, it will be best for them to go and, and get someone else. But then when you think about they could have had Tyrese Halliburton. Now, again, that's not James Hart, right? You could have, like, there was a time where the people were talking about uh, uh, Sacramento wanted to throw in De'Aaron Fox, and the Sixers didn't want him. Like, now you're looking at it, and you're saying to yourself, like, look at these two guys and how they evolve right now. And, like, they would have came in here – and it, it wouldn't have been like a power struggle. Not to say there's really one now. Yeah, were those deals really available? Yeah, the Tyrese Halliburton one was there. Yeah, it was there. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, it was okay. there. It was there. Now, it got to a point like it got a lot of different add-ons and all that. And like, no, no. But but I was, yeah, that was there. That was there. Like, you know, I mean, of course, people deny stuff. Oh, of course, they're going to deny it, right? Like, they're going to deny yeah. it. Like like, yeah. like Atlanta thought they had a, they had a play for, for – um, for Ben Simmons at one point, right? But but then I don't know if they had the right pieces. But yeah, yeah, that's stuff we did. All right, last question. Um, I I guess I didn't expect anything different from James Harden because he seems oblivious to to failures. Uh, he's never willing to 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 wear the the shirt of thorns, so to speak. And and he didn't after the game like oblivious to why you know I. I I would expect the guy to go. Yeah, I, I really didn't play well today. I'm sorry, but I, I you know I I I wish I would have had a better game. He's never going to do something like that. But then the question comes about Doc and his relationship, and uh, 
He it wasn't a ringing endorsement. He said, "Yeah, our relationship's okay." Now that's not a ringing endorsement. So I gotta guess, uh, ask you this question: What does that mean? <laughs> it means that I mean, I took it like, um, let's just say Doc's not getting an endorsement from James. Put it that way. I mean, like you know, of course he's going to deny stuff, but the way it sounds to me. It's the same way you looked at it. Like, you know, he was asked a specific question about his relationship and if you want him back. And and he said, he's all right to me. You know what I mean? We're, we're okay. He said, we're okay. And yeah, just we're, like we're that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we're, we're okay. Yeah, we're, we're okay. So does that, does that mean because he asked him to play differently, he wouldn't like Doc? Doc asked him to play differently this year than, you know, than I, James You know what? I don't know. Like, I, I think when – I don't know if, if – May, it could have been like, I, I think like, you know, one thing I will say this about James is in like prior conversations and, and stuff like that or interviews with him. Like, I remember once I asked him, I said, you know, about his role. And he said a lot of people couldn't do what he did. Like he sacrificed a lot to be that way. And when he says, I want to go somewhere and I want to compete. Some people are talking about he wants to win a championship. That's how he looked at it. I looked at it like compete means I want to be able to be out there with the ball in my hands and show people what I can do as opposed to deferring, doing all these other things. I feel like James did whatever he felt like he did whatever. Now, again, I shouldn't be speaking for him, but I'm just saying like all the things that he's done. Like if you think about it, he's probably upset because here I am. I took a $15 million pay cut. So we can get PJ Tucker. We get all these other guys. You asked me to be more of a distributor. I led the league in assists, right? But at the end of the day, I'm not happy, and I don't. And I lost 15 million. And all we did was play one extra game <laughs> than last year. We lost in seven games as opposed to six. So I think, like, when you're James right now, you might be a little disappointed about that, like feeling like it was a waste. Right. Um, but, you know, who who knows? But yeah, I, I get it. I, losing 15 million. I know is a pride thing. Uh, dude has no family. He's got no expenses other than himself. So like that 15 million, that's like free. Yeah, you're like, it's stuff he would have spent on family matters anyway. So what's the yeah. difference? All right. Keith, listen, man, it's been a pleasure. And thanks so much for your cooperation this year. You did a fantastic job. And I know there's going to be uh, a lot of postmortems that you have to write and, and stories that you have to explore. So this is maybe more, you might be as busy as Maury, frankly. Uh, but thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I want to say this. Thanks for having me. But Mike, doesn't it seem like this is an annual thing? Like, like, I mean, think about it. Since MB's been here, we've been looking for a co-star for him. I mean, since yeah. he's been here, a co-star and role players and whoever the coach was, are they going to fire Brett Brown? Are they going to fire Doc Rivers? Yeah, you, just- yeah, you've got to write the same stories after every every year. Yeah, and now, seriously, and now, and now you even have to go deeper now with this Harden thing. Yeah, exactly. So good, good luck, man. Listen. Take, I hope you get some time off soon, bro. I hope right. so, too. All right. All right, man. Thanks, Keith. All right. Thanks for having me. It's the Mike Yosinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right. Thanks to Keith Pompey uh, for jumping on the show. And Keith will have his work cut out for him over the next several days, uh, writing story after story about uh, 
what they can do, where they're going, where these what was up with James Harden all, uh, and Bede uh, and his desire to get better, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but now it is time for Mike Unleashed, and we're not going to – well, we're going to – let's stay on the concept of basketball. Let's stay on the topic. Uh, John Morant, of course, uh, in trouble again. Uh, another Instagram Live video surfaces of him in a car with his fellas, and um, again, he's got a gun in his hand. Now, first of all, <laughs> I, you know, he just had this powwow with the commissioner. And he just had this really sincere talk with Jalen Rose on live TV about how he's going to change and how he needs to make better decisions and all that. And several days later, he says, yeah, eh, right. And, and, and so, but here's my question, the whole thing, how in the world can his buddies think it's a good idea to video it? Like, th- this is the thing. Like, they already got into trouble with the live video, and they come right back with it. Now, does John Moran say, hey, uh, ho, ho, no video, man. Listen, we, you know, we can fool around with the gun. I just don't want anybody to see it. It's just between us. Like, how does he not do that? I, this is what I don't understand. Is he that much uh, uh, under the thumb of his bully friends? And I get the concept of this bully friend thing, because I've, I've seen it many times where – uh, guys that are, are your protectors, uh, your friends from where you grew up, and your your protectors, and, and you, you can't you can't break that bond of trust because you're afraid of them. Basically, you're afraid of these guys. These guys now are coming along for the ride. You invited them in for the ride. You can't just cut them out because they might even kill you if you do that. Right? That's what he's thinking. So he has to go along with these guys. He's not strong enough to say, get out of my life. He's 23 year old. He's impossible. It's impossible for that kid at 23 years old to make that kind of decision with his friends hanging out with him. Right. And we went through the whole thing with Allen Iverson. Did we not? We've, we've seen this thing. These guys become your protectors and you can't betray the trust of them. But can you sit there in, in the passenger seat of a car and say, yo, ho, 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 put the phones down. Give me the phones. No video for this. It's so simple and stupid that I, I can't even comprehend it. So now it's back in the commissioner's lap. He yes, 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 that and silver to death, right? And if I'm Adam Silver, I go, son of a bitch. He does this to me again, and he's going to embarrass me again? So now he's got a precedent. There's a couple of guys in the league that, he had a, uh, that David Stern had to suspend for an entire season. One was Ron Artest when he went into the stands. The other was Latrell Sprewell when he tried to choke P.J. Carlissima. All right, so this is not violence per se, but it, it's a slap in the face of the commissioner who said, okay, well, we're going to only suspend you for eight games here. We're going to let you off the hook as long as you learn the lesson. He said, oh, yeah, Mr. Commissioner, I've learned a lesson. And several days later, he sticks it right in his keister. So... He's going to be suspended. And he, to me, the only the only question is whether it's a half a year or or whether Silver says, you know what? One bite at the apple is enough. I'm taking him out for the whole year to make him evaluate what he's got to lose. I don't know what's going to happen. But again, it comes down to the fundamental street thing. If I got in trouble because my friends videoed something, I would sure make sure they didn't do it again. <laughs> like if I want to hang out with him and, and and be a badass, I'm not going to do it on video. You've got to be a flat out idiot to do that. And and so John Moran, my friends don't care about me if they're going to put that on video. They have no. They, so 
that's where you got to make a mature decision because those guys don't care about me. I thought they did. They care about me to the point where they're going to splash this on the video. I, I, I do. It's a perplexing situation for me. Uh, uh, we know it well with the AI thing, and we know how difficult it is for these kids to grow up with some dudes, and 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 those guys become their protectors. I, I, I get it. I understand it. I kind of grew up in a similar environment. Like I played sports in Bristol. There were bullies all around, right? And they wanted to kick your ass all the time. But because you were an athlete, they protected you. And John Moran has gotten that protection. But what he's done now, he's taken those guys with him as he's making zillions of dollars. And that changes the landscape of the whole thing. Now they feel entitled. And now you can't cross those guys because if, if they want to mess around with guns, who's to say they won't mess around with a gun in your face if you try to cut them loose? All right. That's my John Morant thing for today. Uh, let's go to the Phil. We haven't talked much Phillies for obvious reasons. And we're not going to probably talk about them a lot this week. They're on a good winning streak. They're playing good baseball. They were recently in Colorado. And uh, one of the things that Bryce Harper did I loved. The other thing I don't. He did with two things. He was, he was out of sorts in Colorado. I don't know whether it was the altitude or, or, or what it was. Um, but the first thing that happens is he starts drawing with these punks. These Colorado Rocky young punks that are sitting there close to the Phillies dugout. Uh, and they, he must have been on the on-deck circle, and they must have been riding them. You know, these, the kids with their first beer. You know how that works out. Bryce, you stink. Blah, 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 blah. Gets a home run. He comes back. He starts jawing with them. And he goes to the dugout, and he starts doing it again. And I'm going, why would you waste your time with these idiots? Really? I mean, Bryce Harper, you're, you're the league most valuable player. You're one of the best players in baseball. These little lunatics who, who've got a cup, a beer and a half in them, and, and they're going to mess with you, and you're going to draw back with them? You're above that now, Bryce. Come on, stop it. So now later in the game, let's get to where he was righteous, and I was in his corner. So this Colorado pitcher named Bird has a rough inning. Finally gets out of the inning with a, I don't know, you got a guy to pop out or whatever it was. And he starts motioning towards the Phillies dugout, calling the Phillies dugout out, hand gestures and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so Harper goes, yeah, that dude's going to do that to us? We're in the World Series last year. That punk bird with a six ERA is going to do this? Then you go after that bastard. And he did. He went right after him. And all those other Phillies came out. And that's the good thing about baseball. A punk like you. And then Bryce got a little carried away. He said, you're. You, your your organization is a loser. You're all losers, <laughs> which is a little childish, but I get it. That guy has no right to do that to your dugout, and then you got to stand up for it. So I applaud Bryce for that, and I go, Bryce, what are you doing with these little these little diaper wearing punks? At, you know, at, at, at probably all, all smoked up in the, in the Colorado atmosphere, coming in, had a couple beers. They're gonna try to cause some trouble, and you're gonna give them attention. Come on, Bryce. You're better than that. And that ends Mike Unleashed for today. All right, Mike. It's time for three questions from Mikey Miss. Got a few today uh, for you. Some real good ones. First question of the day. Mike, what's, well, I'm going to take baseball out of this, and I'm going to take hockey out of this. So uh, basketball and football obviously require the most coaching of the four sports. Which sport, basketball or football, requires a higher level of coaching. Oh, there's no question. It's football. 
I mean, you got to formulate a game plan for football. You got to adjust on the fly. You got to do so much coaching during the course of a game. In the NBA, you got sets you can run. The only thing you could do is call timeouts and try to reaffirm stuff that you went over. But you're not coaching every possession in the NBA. You're just relying on ball movement and natural chemistry between the players. There is no question that football coaching, because it doesn't stop at the game. I mean, it, it's voluminous during the week to come up with a game plan, watch video and film and, and try to attack what the, they're weak at. And then during the game, if it doesn't play out the way you planned it, you got to adjust on the fly. There's no question it's football. Okay, that's question number one. Question number two, Mike, I'm going to give you season tickets to any franchise in any sport. Lifetime season tickets. And it includes travel. Let's just say you wanted a team across the country. You can have uh, includes travel to any of the games. Which team in which sport are you going to take lifetime season tickets to? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> uh, I listen. I, I, I don't know. That's almost an impossible question to to, to answer. Uh, there, there's nobody in basketball right now. Um, that thrills me enough that I want season tickets for, for that team. All right. Now maybe LeBron in the heyday with the Miami, Miami heat, maybe I would have liked that to to follow that. This team is lifetime though. So, you out. know, that player might not always be there. Players come and go talking about an organization, a place, a destination, which one would it be? Any sport, any team. Oh, like I just said, it would have been in Miami. Yeah. This is a fluid situation. Right. Like I can't. I, I I look at look at the teams in the in the Final Four in, in the NBA, right? Now the Lakers don't compel me enough. And LeBron at this stage, I want to do that. Uh, the Celtics, I you know, I have no time for the Celtics. Denver's a nice team. They're not that exciting that I want to be there for every game. So, all right, so let's go to football. And I guess the easy answer, and I'm going to, I'm going to be hated here. Uh, but you know, Jalen Hurts has pushed this into the conversation. But uh, obviously, the, the most exciting player in the game right now is uh, Patrick Mahomes. So uh, I, I would say that it would probably be the Chiefs. But the Eagles with Jalen Hurts is creeping up on that concept. I'm already here, so <laughs> I, I get it. And if it was an away team, I guess it would be the, the Kansas City Chiefs. In baseball, is there somebody good enough on an everyday basis that that I would want to watch them every day and follow them? Unfortunately, the answer that I get for that is maybe Shohei and Trout with the Los Angeles Angels to see that every day. But if I was looking for a team that really consistently played great baseball, it would probably be the Atlanta Braves. But that's a, 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 an impossible question to answer. Nice attempt. Oh, hey, look, I, I mean, I thought you might say something. Yeah, I'll go old school Miami Heat back in the day when they had the three stars. That would have been fun to watch. Right now, I'll go Kansas City Chiefs because they get the most dynamic player in the league, and I like to see that. In baseball, the Shohei show would probably be compelling, but the Eagles are creeping up on that, my friend, with Jalen Hurts. We'll see how this year goes. And then I know the Atlanta Braves, we hate them, but damn, they're good. And they're good every yeah. year, and they run the organization the right way. And it's probably fun to follow them because of that consistency. I thought there was a possibility you could center on the destination, the city itself. So, like San, the San Diego Padres, or you know, uh, no, I hate that team. I ha I hate the Padres. I hate the way they play. Yeah. But I could probably live in Orange County and watch Shohei for yeah, the summer. That's not bad. All right, that's question number two. Question number three, Mike. 
I'm going to allow, I think I know where you're going to go in the Sixers. Uh, I'm going to allow you to remove one player from all four franchises in Philly. Could be for any reason. Could be they stink, you don't like this game, they don't mesh, or you just hate his face. Get rid of one guy on all four teams in the city of Philly. You'll never see them again in a Philadelphia uniform. Uh, okay, I'll start with the Phillies. The Bradley Falter or Bailey Falter. He is gone. I can't. I, I can't look I, at him throwing pus. Anymore. I hate. First of all, I hate pitchers that throw pus. It's one of the reasons why I hated Jamie Moyer, even though everybody loved him here. I I don't look like guys that try to trick you with a lack of stuff. So Bailey Falter would be the guy I would remove right now. Out. Okay. Uh, let's go to the Flyers. Scott Lawton. You got to go. Every player on the Flyers is like Scott Lawton. Removing Scott Lawton would be a change of getting the same cookie-cutter player, the hardworking guy whose max is 20 goals a season, who plays hard and mucks and grinds, out. I've had enough of him. And he's pro- listen, he, I'm sure he's a nice kid. I'm sure he, he, his coach appreciates how hard he plays. He's symptomatic of the Flyers' decline, that type of player. Uh, all right, so let's go. Uh, we're taking baseball and hockey. James Harden is too easy. So I would say Tobias Harris now. I, I got I get enough. I, I'm tired of the expectations. I'm tired of being reminded he makes $47 million a year. Uh, he's, a, he's an average player uh, in a league, and he holds them down, even though he has some moments. Uh, he is the Scott Lawton of the Sixers, and I got to remove him. Uh, and now uh, for football, oh, my God, this has got to be an unpopular thing to remove one of our beloved Eagles. Who would I remove as a beloved <laughs> yeah. Eagle here? Uh, all right, Quez Watkins. Oh, great answer. Not tough oh. enough. I can't take it. I can't take his lack of toughness great anymore. Answer. So he's got to go. All right? Is that, no, that's all Good that answers. Question? I'm pretty much in lockstep uh, with all I can't stand Bailey Falter. I can't, I'm so tired of Tobias. Honestly, I'll shock you, but I wouldn't mind if I don't see Aaron Nola in a Phillies uniform anymore. He drives me crazy. Yeah, you're not a Nola guy, but, uh, you know, I, he's my one of my top two pitchers, so I can't, uh, you know, like, I, I can go down the bottom of the yeah. order and, and dispatch yeah. anybody. I can't go to the top of the order, there you go. Uh, even though he's inconsistent. Uh, but I get where you are on that. All right, All right one last uh, comment on uh, what the NBA Finals. You get the Eastern Conference Finals now. Can the Miami Heat beat Boston? No. They can't beat them. Boston's too talented for them. Miami will play tough. They always play tough. They may win two games. I think uh, Boston wins that in six. Uh, and if they're fortunate enough to get it to a game seven, there's no way that he beat Boston in a game seven. So uh, your NBA finals are going to be Boston and not the Lakers. It'll be Boston and Denver. Uh, people sleep on this Denver team. They're good. And they play great basketball together. They're well coached. Uh, and LeBron myth dies where he's not going to play. It's not going to be Boston and L.A., uh, which the network would love. It's going to be Boston and Denver, which they might not love. So that's my prediction for the uh, NBA Finals. Uh, and unfortunately, I think that maybe the Celtics can win it all. Uh, so so there's, there's the, 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 the knife goes in further for all uh, Sixer fans. All right, let's, uh, let's close it down for today. Again, you can get in touch with me. Email mike at mikemiss.com. Check out my website. It's uh, mikemiss.com, and uh, you can get me questions through that or through my email, mike at mikemiss.com. Um, mikemiss25 is my Twitter handle. 
Uh, so uh, hit me up on that. And uh, uh, I tweet a lot, and I tweeted a lot uh, during the Sixers season. I'll probably take a little break now as we uh, try to transition it into uh, Philly season. And don't forget, coming up on Thursday, Charles Barkley and moi going head to head in a conversation. And uh, you know how that always works out. Uh, I'll get him to say stuff. I'm going to tell him, right? I listen, Charles, I do this podcast. I do not want you to hold back on your Philadelphia 76ers. You can say more in this podcast than you can say on that set with Ernie and Shaq. Look for that on Thursday. I'm Mike Missinelli. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli podcast. Spread it around that the Mike Missinelli podcast is fast rising. And all you got to do is subscribe for free. It'll come right to your inbox and uh, you'll get uh, at least two podcasts a week from me. Have a great rest of the day, everybody, and we will talk to you Thursday. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.